yet this past weekend was definitely uh, extremely exciting for us. So we're happy to have you on and learn a little bit more. Yeah, it was really uh, an exciting uh, weekend, you know. Absolutely. Do you like having it more in January or July? What do you think? I'm starting to get used to the January thing. I mean, in July, we, we were able to sign them and kind of have a hold of the kid and do what we want. So it gives us more time, like official time with the players. But, uh, you know, January is pretty cool because they hit the ground running, you know, right, right away. It kind of breaks up the offseason. It's something something to look forward to, I feel like, the last couple of years. I agree. agree. <laughs> All right. Well. All right. Uh, if you guys want to jump in, and all right, I'll jump in here. Uh, tonight's guest on for on the Birds is the Orioles Senior Director of International Scouting. He is Kobe Perez. Kobe, thank you so much for joining us. No, it's a pleasure to be on. Thank you guys for having me. I'm still I just got back from overseas, so I got to help my wife take down the Christmas trees. <laughs> well, we appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. Um, just to start off. Um, how have the how's the organization's international signing efforts evolved since you uh, first joined the Orioles? Yeah, as you guys know, I mean, it takes time to uh, to build to build the, the uh, international pipeline. Um, just because uh, deals are created uh, so far early uh, before the signing period begins, so you know, just you know, last year I thought we. We did the best we could with uh, the time that we had, being that we've been here three years. Um, but I felt like this year we um, we got a really good jump, and as you can see, you know, a couple of our players were ranked in the top, you know, top of the class. So uh, you know, we feel good about the uh, talent that we're bringing in. Yeah, absolutely. And is there an organizational philosophy on signing, you know, a bunch of players for a little bit of lower bonus versus a few, just a few expensive or more, you know, more expensive guys? Or is that just where the organization stands as of right now, as we continue to build up the operations? Yeah. So I, every year is going to differ. Um, the, those guys that get the, you know, the three, $4 million bonuses, they're, they're off the board, you know, two, three years ahead of time. So um, I think every year will be different. I think uh, it depends what the, what, the, what the class looks like, what the market looks like. You know, those those big, huge Wander Francos of the world, you know, they they you know, there's a there's a handful of them every four or five years. So, you know, we don't want to just give a guy the money just to give it to him. We want to make sure it's the right guy. So, you know, uh, in these three years, we've we've been able to uh, spread it around and feel good about our classes. You got to remember, you know, a lot of the best players in the big leagues didn't get the millions of dollars, you know, Acuna, Albies. You know, these guys signed for, you know, 100 grand, 300, 400, you know what I mean? And uh, a lot of them uh, have panned out to be good players. So, uh, you know, we're hoping that that's what we get. Uh, we want to ask you to uh, touch on some of those specific players you guys brought in over the weekend. Um, starting at the top with Braylon Tavera, uh, what do you and your scouts uh, see in Tavera? And, you know, we think it's really encouraging to see that, you know, reports suggest that he could stick in center field. Uh, but what kind of projection do you guys see with, with the bat? What type of hitter he can become? Yeah, we, we're really intrigued by, by his tools. Um, we think he has a skill set for, for five tools. Um, obviously, he's 16. A lot of things uh, still got to go. Um, but we think with our development system, um, we think we can get the best out of him. I mean, he's got an he's got ability to hit the ball over the fence. Um, he's got ability to stay in center field. He runs really, really well. He's a big kid. He's, he's you know, every bit of six foot three. 
um, and and it's a six five sixty yard dash. So you know, you, it, it's a uh, speed power combination that's very rare, and especially in a young kid like that. So, you know, we're excited to get him, and we think uh, you know we can develop him into a uh, into a good baseball player. So the news about Cesar Prieto uh, caught a lot of Orioles fans by surprise ahead of the signing deadline. It was a very pleasant surprise. Can you tell us how that came together that the Orioles were able to sign him? And then what is the immediate plan for him as a 22 year old with a fairly advanced skill set? Yeah, as I mentioned, um, you know, we've known Prado through international tournaments, but obviously the Cuban players are hands off until they're declared uh, free agents by major league baseball. So, you know, we had him on our radar, but we never knew when, you know, you don't know when this guy is going to defect, if he's going to defect, you just don't know. And, uh, you know, once we heard that he he had defected, you know, we tried to figure out where he was, who had, you know, who was his agent and all those things. You know, once we finally figured out who it was, we know we got in, in contact with him. Um, we had some money remaining in our pool. So, you know, we, we, we felt like, you know, we had to evaluate this guy good. And we did. Um, you know, we had, um, you know, front office members, myself, Eve Rosenbaum, our general manager, Mike Elias, and even our major league manager, Brandon Hyde, evaluate um, Caesar. And we all went out and saw him, um, you know, talked them, you know, talked talked up the Orioles for him. Um, and, you know, there was other suitors for him, but, you know, he kind of liked our situation. And, uh, you know, being that there wasn't very much money out in the, in the market, um, other teams were in the similar ballpark um, he decided that his best opportunity was with the Orioles. So we were really excited, you know, that he chose us and, and we were happy to get him uh, at where we got him. And uh, I think, uh, you know, time will tell, but, you know, his track record is pretty good. So, you know, we hope that everything goes well. Yeah, and we know a little bit about Leandro Arias because he was on the top 50 list of Baseball America of the prospects. But what about Edwin Amparo, who signed for 650000 which tied for Prieto for the fourth highest bonus given out for the Orioles. Um, can you give us a little bit of a scouting report on Amparo and what made him such a big target? Yeah. So Amparo is a you know, good looking kid. He's a switch hitting shortstop who can run, uh, you know, really good bat to ball skills. We think he has the ability to play shortstop. Um, he, we think he's, he's got room to grow. He's, he's every bit of six foot. Um, he's lean, he's lanky. Um, and he does a lot of the, the good things. He's a smart baseball player for his age and he separated himself kind of from uh, the group. Um, I think, you know, with him, he was pretty high profile and a lot of teams wanted him. Um, I think his, uh, you know, the reason we were able to get him was kind of the same reason, you know, we, we had, you know, Mike go down and see all these players and, and uh, you know, they're excited they're excited that, you know, our general managers in the DR and saying, Hey, we want you, you know what I mean? It's a, you know, some some general managers from some teams don't know about these guys till they're in double A, you know, and our general managers, you know, watching them when they're 14, 15 years old and telling them, hey, we, we got we're, we got your eye, we are your, our eye on you. And, you know, we got this academy building and, you know, everyone knows that we're in for the long haul in Latin America. You know, this academy is it's a long term play. You know, it's not just, oh, well, we're here for a year and we're out of here. No, we're made, we're building now and and people know that we're going to take the best care of their player as, as we can and try to make them, you know, get to the major league as soon as they can. So um, I think that that's helped us go a long way with, uh, with signing some of our players. 
I, I love that so much. Um, one more specific player I want to ask uh, about is Thomas Sosa. Uh, to me, just kind of reading what uh, you said, some little bit about him and what was on video and what little bit we know about him, I, I get immediate like Michelle Desson vibes out of him. Uh, and we know that's a player that you really like as well. Someone with a lot of raw tools, real potential to develop into an impact player down the road. What are some of his bigger strengths that make him uh, an attractive player? Yeah, Thomas is, you know, he's six foot four, lean, lanky, left, left play uh, outfielder who's come a really long way. I mean, when we first saw him, he was 13 years old. He kind of wasn't on the showcase market, but we really liked his swing and we really liked the way he hit the ball. And we can see that, you know, he had a long way to go as far as growing and getting bigger. So he was one of the guys that we really, really focused in on early before many other teams got a chance to see him. And he kind of bloomed and bloomed and, and we were like on him every day. So, you know, it was to the point where he was like, man, I, I just want to be an Oriole because we were in there so much and we were able to come to terms with him. And after that, he just he just continued to grow. He became to be a six foot four kid hitting balls well over the fence, you know, running, you know, six, seven. And, um, you know, we we're excited to get him. And every single day, he's one of the kids throughout the two years. Every day you can see the difference of him getting better. So, you know, we think he's on the up and up and we're really excited about him. Love it. You mentioned over the weekend that you frequently visit Venezuela and noted how the Orioles didn't really have a presence in that country until recently. But now you guys bring in 10 players in this year's class to go along with the, one of the big signings last year, Michael Hernandez. Uh, what is it about the talent in this region that really makes it has made it a priority for the organization? Well, Venezuelan, there's a lot of talent there. And one good thing about Venezuelan players, they really know how to play baseball. Like if you go to watch a game, sometimes the Venezuelan players, tools-wise, is a little bit below the DR player when they're young. Um, for some reason, the Dominican players, there's so much baseball and so many academies that uh, tools-wise, they develop sooner. Uh, but the, the Venezuelan player, um, they really know how to play baseball. Like you, you watch the game and they may not stand out tools-wise, some of them, but when you watch the game, you're like, wow, this guy's a pretty good baseball player, man. I'd like to have this guy. And that's what you get a lot. And then once it starts getting closer, uh, the signing date, then you really see those tools start to come on. And you're like, man, I'm really glad that this guy's with us because, you know, those tools are coming. And um, they, they play a lot of baseball. Their, their education level in Venezuela is pretty good. So they're really smart. And, you know, they, they want to really um, do well. So, you know, we're excited that now we have a full staff there. I travel there, our, our Latin American supervisor, Geraldo Cabrera travels there. So we're there all the time, you know? So like now we're going to try to get the, you know, the best talent that we can out of it. Looking at some of the players who may not have had big signing bonuses um, or didn't get a lot of notice from national outlets leading up to January 15th. Um, who do you think are maybe some of the under the radar signings that the Orioles have made that fans could get acquainted to quickly? Yeah, the same thing. There's a Venezuelan player named Gene Mata, who's an outfielder who we really, really like. He was a, he was a, he was the guy that every event we went to, he was like the MVP of the event. But his tools were a little bit below, you know, some of the other players' tools. So scouts didn't see the run, uh, didn't see the, the the throw, didn't see the power. But uh, you know, when we stayed on him, let's say hey, let's stay on this guy because this guy's you know he's just a good player. Um, you know, now he's a six six sixty yard dash. Now he's hitting the ball over the fence sometimes. So we feel that, you know, we got a really good deal with him and we think that he's going to be a player that's going to perform. So, you know, we're excited about adding Gene Mata, among other guys too. 
Now that this class has officially signed, what are the next steps for them? Uh, what will the next few months look like uh, leading up to the 2022 Dominican Summer League season? So, yeah, we got we got a uh, orientation on, uh, I believe it starts January 28th uh, in the Dominican Republic. So all of our new signs will report to the Dominican Republic Academy, our current academy, obviously. Um, and uh, our, our, you know, um, player development staff from the U.S. and the DR will be there to greet them and kind of show them the Oriole way and and teach them how to become professional. So we have a pretty good camp coming up uh, here at the end of the month. And, you know, after that, they'll 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 all report for the DSL. When is the exciting new academies uh, expected to be finished? So, yeah, as you know, you know, that's fluid. Um, it's it, the ball's rolling. I was just there. I saw, you know, you, you look at it and you can see the shapes of the fields and you can see some holes being dug and all that. So, you know, there's a bunch of people working on it. But as you know, you know, those, those you know, I, I'm looking forward to go back in two or three weeks and see the progress. But uh, um, it should be done within, you know, 15 to 18 months is what I'm being told. But, you know, weather. Sometimes the export, exportation, importation um, gets held up. Everything's a little bit slow now because of COVID, but, you know, we're hoping we can get it in that time frame. Yeah, I just had a house built, so I, I definitely can, on a smaller scale, see how that is. Uh, I heard you say, or I read you say in a different article that uh, Samuel Basalo, the former record-breaking uh, signee, will make his stateside debut in the FCL this season. Um, can we expect the same with Michael Hernandez, Anderson De Los Santos, Junior Lara, and guys like that? Yeah, yeah. They're scheduled to go to the Florida League. Um, and as I mentioned, man, these guys are young. You know, Basayo could be a junior right now. You know, he's 17 years old. He'll play all year till August as a 17-year-old. And the guy's got, you know, a year under his belt. He had five home runs. You know, that would have been his sophomore year if he was in high school. And he's got – a year under his belt in football. So we're excited about that entire group. Anderson De Los Santos had a very, very good year at the DSL. Junior Lara um, had some issues at the beginning because he had COVID, but uh, so he didn't get that many at-bats, but we're excited. It's a left-left center fielder that can run, and, and he, you know, he's a prospect. You know, we're excited about Michael Hernandez, who shows all the tools, and, and he's down there. He got stronger at the Instructional League Strength Camp. Um, we're, we're super excited about a kid named uh, Ben Cosme, there's another shortstop who we think is a good-looking kid. And, um, you know, that's the benefit of having two teams. These guys, they play, you know. Both shortstops play. Both both shortstops had at-bats. And, you know, that's why uh, that's why we're doing it because, you know, they're so young where you can figure out and give people the opportunity to, to show what they got. Yeah, and speaking of the age of these literally kids, I mean, Orioles fans, we're excited about – you know, all these guys, their development, but excluding Cesar Prieto, who's a little bit older and more uh, experienced, when can Orioles fans realistically expect to see that first wave of international prospects, like, hit the shore, proverbially, of uh, the major leagues? I think, you know, this year, if you if you uh, look at our Delmarva club, I got I, I to gotta, I gotta say, you know, there's a good chance that there's double-digit kids out of Latin America there. Um, we have a lot of pitchers that we like. We like... Uh, you know, who, uh, Rangel, Raul Rangel. We like Chase, Luis Ortiz. Uh, Delo, there's a De Los Santos that we like. There's a there's a kid named Mendez that throws 99. So, you know, I think in Del Marva, you'll see a lot of those arms that we signed three years ago because we were late, you know, getting in. 
I think you'll see a lot of those uh, arms in, uh, in Delmarva. And then, you know, we got to, we acquired some guys in trades that, that, you know, have a good chance to be in Delmarva as well. So I think, um, you know, we're starting to get these guys to affiliates. And I think going forward this year, going forward, you'll start seeing our upper level start filling with, uh, with international players. And, uh, you know, we're super excited about that. Uh, to kind of wrap up and thank you again for, for your time here with us, but we've hypothesized in the past that the front office is using the rule four draft to kind of raise the floor of this farm system while the international market is to kind of raise the ceiling. Is that a fair, if, if anything, a simplistic assessment of, of what the organization is doing? I mean, that, that's, that sounds pretty good. I mean, with the, with the international guys, they take, it takes time for them to, to get up the line. But what, what typically happens is, you know, the, the guys that you draft domestically, especially the college players, you know, they're going to show what they are within two or three years where the Latin kid, you're gonna, you got to wait five or six years. So what happens is it's going to be, it's our organization is ranked right now the best in, in minor league baseball, according to some uh, publications. So when with the backfill of these Latin guys, you know, once these guys get promoted, it's going to keep us strong. You know, it, it'll keep us strong. And then with the new drafts, and the backfill of like an Anderson De Los Santos, you know, and a Basayo, a, uh, you know, Ben Cosme and some of these arms we're talking about, those guys will raise our, our farm system and keep it strong. Um, so, because they're so far away. So you're going to start seeing the guys we signed three years ago start popping up into our top 30. And then, you know, once you get the pipeline going and it's all the way up, then you, our hope is you see one or two 40 man guys a year. Nice. And we can't let you go without asking about uh, one of our favorite players this entire system in Gene Pinto. Uh, was he the real headliner in that Jose Iglesias trade? And, and just looking out, how familiar were you with a lot of those international prospects that the Orioles got in some of these trades recently in uh, Pinto, Deson, De Leon, uh, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, all the credit goes to our pro scouting department, Mike Snyder and his group. They identify these guys. Obviously, we're a collaborative group, so they ask us, hey, did you see this guy? Do you know this guy? You know, this guy's makeup and, you know, we, we, we were able to uh, support them in, in knowing their makeups, knowing what the kid what the kid's all about. You know, some of our scouts are from the same towns, so they, they know all these guys. Uh, and and we, we, we were happy to, to acquire the guys we got. You know, we were definitely involved in the discussions, but the identification was definitely done by our scouting staff. Well, Kobe, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's been exciting to see the Orioles really competing in the international market, and we know you're a big part of that. And so thank you for taking the time out to join us today. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Hey. All right. Great. Hey. He dipped out. <laughs> you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.